Hi and welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I am joined by Casey who is also known as Mrs Earth Indiana. Today we are going to be speaking about her work with domestic violent victims, the offenders of domestic violence and how domestic violence played a part in her own childhood. Casey, welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I just wanted to start off with you telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am a mother and I also am in pageants. Um, I'm married, happily married. And I, I do a lot of speaking out against domestic violence and abuse and how it affects those who are in that situation and also how it affects the children who witness that that goes on in family households a lot of you know financial stress or when i was younger my very first memory of the abuse between my father and mother was on christmas eve Mm -hmm. and we were leaving um my grandmother bonnie's house and i can remember like it was yesterday but we were leaving her house And my father had a little too much to drink at the family gathering. And my mom asked him if she could drive. Mm -hmm. And my dad had told her, you know, no, an argument came about the situation. And then I remember seeing him, you know, one minute and, you know, looking out the window for Santa Claus and snow is coming down. And then the next moment, you know, they're, they're bickering. And I remember seeing him, you know, just beating her like she was his size and a man. And right. he threw over the backseat into my lap. And I can still remember that mm-hmm. as clear as day mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was a very young child then, young enough to still believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, during my healing process, I had seen like very more long term effects um, come about, like insecurity, measuring up, trust issue, issues, trust back. I have flashbacks. I have extremely bad night terrors. I went to the doctor in regards to these night terrors because I just was not getting any sleep. The doctor had told me that I have CPTSD. That's um, when I formed. And that's like, I'm so sorry to hear that, as I mentioned before, but a lot of what you said, as, as I mentioned to you as well, re- resonates with myself and I'm sure other children that have been through it. And I think what I think is so amazing about the work that you do, because a lot of the times there is a lot of focus on the victim, which is the woman or the man. Um, which is fine, but the, the the effects, the damaging effects that it has on the children who witness this um, can be lifelong and, and really damaging and really traumatic. Um, not only just seeing the physical violence, but the build up to which I've spoken to you about the eggshells or, you know, an argument that erupts or, or you can see a situation that can be quite contentious and sort of almost playing out in your head as a child how it's going to end up and or turn out which I want to ask the work um you do surrounding domestic violence um what is your biggest goal when when doing this I think my my biggest goal is to be loud about this because I've been silent my whole life about it 
I kept it from my best friends. I kept it from people from school. I kept it from my boyfriends, everyone. I tried to keep this a secret. And today I'm learning that I need to be loud about this and, and hopefully break the silence and help someone else to come out of this and start their healing journey. And, and just for anyone who knows, like if you know, you know, you've been in this situation, whoever you may be, this will be a lifelong healing journey that it's, it's never going to just poof, go away one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually planning um, a candlelit kind of like vigil here in my town where I'm gathering um, a bunch of people together and I'm having a few speakers come and we are going to try to raise awareness and funds for the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Intimate Partner Abuse. So I have that coming up soon that I'm trying to organize. That's amazing. And I think, you know, I'm sure there's so many people that are grateful for the time that you're taking out to even do this work and take your time out to bring awareness to it. As you said, um, and as I've mentioned, this sort of thing is a lifelong journey of healing. I'm sure with yourself, you have good days, you have bad days. And then obviously the, the trauma as well of sometimes reliving trauma and, and or being fine in a certain smell or seeing something can bring back a memory. Um, but the fact that you are reaching out and speaking to other people that have been through this um, really, really is inspirational because it's, it's something that obviously is triggering for you as well. I know that you mentioned previously that you actually spoken to people that the offenders of domestic violence could you tell us what that was like for you um when I first went into the room I I I wasn't expecting as many people the room was packed there were a lot of offenders in that room it was the feeling in there was very palpable and I and it was it was good. It felt great to just tell them like how this, this affected me. It was like, I was speaking to a room of my father's of my father. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and it, and it was part of my healing journey as well. It was actually a very beautiful moment because a lot of people chimed in and they were like, yeah, you know, I grew up around this as well my my father was abusive or my mother was abusive to my father and I witnessed it and I didn't know how to regulate my own you know anger or feelings and now I'm an offender right and, and at the end of that actual meeting there was a female in there a young female and she came up to me and gave me a hug and cried and said you've changed my life you've changed my life she was younger and uh, that that I was like I need to do something else here so I started up another group um, on Facebook called survivors and thrivers which is quickly growing and it's just a safe place for people to go and maybe vent or talk get help um, those things that they might need yeah and literally 
being in the room full of offenders of who you know who are the ones you know the violent did it normalize it for you or did it just give you another sort of perspective of of the actual you know of domestic violence did it did it make it you know give you a broader spectrum of okay well you're you're kind of doing what was what was taught to you or yeah did it did it make you kind of look at it look at it like that yes it did it did it it made me like look at them as all like they were once little children who witnessed what I witnessed and they're stuck in this cyclic family abuse yeah and they don't know how to get out of it because they were never really taught like I said how to regulate their emotions right right which is actually again another spectrum of the trauma For me personally, it was traumatic because on one hand, I loved and adored my father. And on another hand, I was afraid he was going to kill my mom or me. Wow. So there was this strange like dichotomy Mm -hmm. and and this separation. Mm -hmm. And there was moments of having great times with him making pancakes and things are great and then there's moments of me hiding under a table shaking crying hoping they'll stop fighting Mm -hmm. hoping he'll stop hitting her Mm -hmm. hoping hoping he won't grab a knife or a gun or Mm -hmm. you know those moments of my my mother and I trying to flee while he was at work Mm-hmm. Um, going to school, uh, I, there were a lot of people at school who I feel should have known, like teachers, guidance counselors, principals. I feel like I was showing all of the signs of a child that was in distress and I don't feel, but this was kind of back in the day, yeah, you know, I understand that, exactly what you're saying. I understand hundred percent what you're saying. Yeah. And I feel like they probably like they probably should have paid a little more attention yeah um and and no shade or hate like I said it was back in the day mm-hmm. and I think it was a little more acceptable back then I'm I just turned 39 it was a little acceptable back then to spank your child mm-hmm. uh, those you know those things were especially in the small town where I grew up grow up grew up in that I still live in mm-hmm. um and that's exactly why I want to bring this candlelit vigil to this area. I don't think that this small town that I've lived in, that I live in, has ever seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. I've never, they've never had a protest or right. anything. So I want to bring something. I want to be loud about something that's been so silent and hidden. Yeah. And I, again, I just think, I don't know if, I'm sure you are aware, but there's so many points that you bring up that just validates that anyone even listening just validates like this is so true like again that there's signs with the children that there's something wrong in the home even if um you have those women that are stay-at-home mums say for example they don't go out so often so no one's really going to pay attention to you know if they're wearing a baseball cap or you know, if they haven't seen them for a few weeks, because their life is at home. Right. But the kids, 
they are a huge reflection of what's going on in your home even if when it's a positive thing you know Mm -hmm. um and it brings me back to when I was a child and I'm like yeah no for sure there's times where I go into school and I'll be crying or my you're asking me what's wrong and I'm like nothing and you know these things aren't normal kids they they, they're child boxes you know so and as well again what you're doing is you're not only educating not obviously victims of domestic violence about how um this is a problem and highlighting the topic you're also letting them know hey if you're in this situation like look what you're doing to the kids we have to go through lifelong healing because of this situation it doesn't just disappear when you end the relationship it lives with you you know and i i i want you to touch on if you're comfortable with what does life look like with cpt uh, sorry cptsd for you yeah um you know i had to get on um medication management to help me sleep because of the night terrors um i have to see a therapist once a month and um uh goodness before I started healing from it I was having flashbacks I was having nightmares um I had a lot of trouble trusting a lot of trouble with intimacy a lot of things would trigger me like a smell or um like the smell of alcohol or um loud noises things of that nature yeah Um, so it was it it was and is a battle but it's getting better slowly yeah it's a it's a process just everything is in life and i i had actually spoken with my therapist recently and he was talking to me about radical exception like radically accepting what i dealt with what i witnessed and what I have yeah. that, I, that I am now that I now have CPTSD from yeah. this. And that was kind of a hard one for me. Um, but I am slowly working towards that. Yeah, and I commend you so much. Like I think it's amazing. Like even with like what you're you're doing, again, you're even though you're going through your own healing journey you're still bringing awareness for other people and your work I believe is healing people as well you know it doesn't just have to be your therapist that heals you or you know you don't have to be qualified or you know a doctor to to heal other people just you having the experience as I said that small meeting I had with you pre-podcast meeting I had with you validated so much for myself for my own emotions and this is something I haven't even touched on for years you know and it's about I, I have like you know my things that trigger me but I just live with it I learned to live with it um a big fear of mine is if I did tell at school Mm-hmm. What would happen to me when I got home? Yeah. Or what would happen to my mom? Or right. It was right. A, it was a fear of mine for sure. But I did know at a young age that I would never 
be in an abusive relationship. Yeah. I, I just couldn't. And don't you think it's interesting that even though you wasn't told not to say anything, you just automatically instinctively knew not to say anything, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. I always find that quite, um, even for myself, I find it quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we instinctively know that you're already keeping a secret. You're being loyal, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I want you to explain what the actual pinnacle start of your healing journey um, looked like, as in why did you feel that you definitely needed to take action outside of yourself to embark on a healing journey? I think it was a slow buildup, but there was a pinnacle moment before my father uh, passed away. Um, on his death certificate, it says accidental suicide. Um, we had been estranged for quite some time and it was near my birthday and I asked him to go to church with me. And this was, you know, right before, um, and I remember we were at church and we were in worship and I've never seen my father in this state before. But I watched him just like raise his hands up and he was bawling, crying. And he was in the most vulnerable place I'd ever seen him. And I felt something moving me in that moment. And then after his death, that was even more um, like, I need to talk about this. Like there was just something inside of me. I can't really explain it and I need to heal this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also like, I didn't want to pass this down to my children. um, And I wanted to be a good, I want to be, and I am, I think (laughs) a good mom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and make the, make the right decisions. And um, I think a lot of it came through my faith Mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, refl- like self-reflection and having to deal with those hard memories and looking them in the face. Yeah. And that is very hard to do because when you see something that is, you don't want to go there, yeah. you know, a lot of times we just know I'm not going go there. Yeah. But, it, but when you finally do it, it, it releases it from you mm-hmm. like it like a you know weight off your shoulders to see yeah. say yeah did I answer your question <laughs> that that yeah no for sure it 100 percent did um, <laughs> we, 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 it was basically overall a, a transition um yes. that was happening um which also sparked me to wonder um the inner child you do, do they ever look back and see where you are now and think, wow, I've come such a long way or vice versa, you who you are now look back then and be like, wow, I never thought that who that was would be who I am today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I guess, yes, I've, came, I've come a long way and um I didn't know that I was going to start, you know, I knew that I was going to 
I knew that I was never going to be in a relationship like that. And one day I would help myself out of that situation. I would get out of that house and I would never be with someone who was abusive. But I did not know that I would be, you know, sitting here having this conversation with you or going mm. and speaking to offenders or trying mm. to get my my points of, across on the stages of pageants. I did not know that was going to occur, but I did know I was younger that I was going to be different. Yeah. I knew that I was going to break the cycle. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And I think you should be so happy that you were so conscious enough to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and break the actual cycle and, mm-hmm. you know, be, be it a lesson for your own generations. I think our generation is breaking a lot of curses anyway. So mm-hmm. can be a yeah, bit heavy I've on the shoulders. That. but Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like the next question, I don't even know if it, if, if it would actually just be like yourself, but basically it would be like, with the work that you do, what's been your biggest success story so far from someone who has listened to what you've gone through? I think my, I have, with my oldest daughter, um, my oldest daughter, when she was old enough, I talked with her about what I experienced as a child. And um, and I feel like I really got through to her. She has a really good head on her shoulders already, though. And she is such a good kid. And she has, I mean, so much going for her. And um, also, like, just, like, teaching my children the the right way to treat others and that violence is never the answer Mm -hmm. and also whenever I went and spoke with the offenders I like I had said I don't know if I mentioned this or not but I had had a girl come up to me afterwards crying and you know yeah you said yeah forever and that was that was a pivotal moment for me as well Mm mm-hmm these are the extremes of domestic violence but as we've mentioned abuse is um that that is violent doesn't always have to be physical it can be emotional mental and there's a lot of women that have been through through that as well and that can be quite not that can be that is quite damaging as well Um, financial as well that's damaging as well yeah huge uh, a huge one that keeps women around mm-hmm. is that, that financial grasp or exactly. that yep. you know whoever's the breadwinner mm-hmm. exactly exactly yeah, yeah. especially if kids are involved i want you to um give a little background about the book that you're in the process of writing yes so um as I've been on my healing journey, I've had like flashbacks that I've had to stare in the face. And as they've come to me, I've been writing them down. So I'm, I'm just in the beginnings of it. Um, but I'm definitely going to be, I'm definitely going to be very serious about this book mm-hmm. uh, because I think it, that it needs to be out there a child's view of growing up in a home full of extreme violence and 
the lifelong effects it will leave for those children, those scars. Yeah, for sure. How did you get into um, competing in pageants? Yes, um, so I have an acquaintance and um, we were just chit-chatting on Facebook and she's been, she did, I think, Miss America or Miss USA or something. And she had finished and um, sent me a message and said, your turn. And it was with the link. Mm-hmm. And so I clicked the link and I looked through the pageants and stroll, you know, everything. And I thought, huh, should I try this? Let's just try it. Let's just try it. You know, like w- what's going to hurt? I'm going to mm-hmm. try it. And that's kind of how it began. It was just kind of a just a, a new experience to try in life. And now I'm seeing that I'm able to grab the attention of others um, with the sash or the crown or mm-hmm. whatnot um, and talk about how children are affected by domestic violence. Mm-hmm. 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 That makes and, sense. And, yes. And, and the cause is real. And while there's nothing wrong with just wanting to grace the stage and, and do a beauty pageant, and, and, and you know, um, just because you want to do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying I saw it as an opportunity and a platform for me to speak out on what was in my heart, my soul, and on me, and I knew I needed to do it. Yeah. And I again, I, it's so inspirational. And let me tell you why. I don't just be, where I'm from. Obviously, I'm from the United Kingdom. Like, yeah. obviously, the viewers won't, listeners won't be able to see. But like, you're stunning. And people uh, will look at you and think, okay, well, no, perfect life. You know, they'll look at your life that are where you are now and just assume everything's perfect. You had perfect upbringing. And just run with that, really. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? You always have to like explain yeah. yourself. Like, no, not everyone with a pretty face has had a life that matches that. You know, 100%. so you know, I definitely feel it's amazing to do what you're doing. The pageants and everything are so glamorous. And again, we don't really have that in the UK, but it's so glamorous. And you know, you get to wear pretty dresses and shoes and something that involves so many women, you're bringing awareness to not only for the ones that have gone through it, the ones who have seen it, witnessed it, the kids, and then also women that could be entering it. Because as we've mentioned already, especially I personally feel that um, a lot of times attractive women are kind of drawn into that situation. So just to go back to your participation in pageants, what does it mean to you to hold the title Mrs. Earth Indiana? It it means a lot to me because it gives me a, a larger platform um to to reach people and help others so i genuinely feel that's why i was placed here on this earth is to help others and i have a a, um i've always loved nature and i've always cared about our earth Mm -hmm. and um and it's always just been a thing for me. <laughs> so yeah. it just felt like the perfect 
pageant to enter because they do so much for the environment yeah yeah Yeah. and i i think that's a good key point as well like just mixing the two together yes um which kind of sort of coincides with the next question but i want it to be what is more what has been the positives for competing for you personally what what is yeah what kind of has been the positive things that is invoked within you um and your personal experience doing the pageants just a lot of self-growth um and just learning more about myself and how to interact with others um and work past my high anxiety because not only do I have CPTSD, I have anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And so learning to walk a stage and be that vulnerable or do an interview and be this, you know, this vulnerable um, is growth, mm-hmm. I feel. And I, I, I want to push myself. I want to grow. I want to be a better person. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a way to challenge your anxiety. (laughs) I'm sure those audiences are like packed and like there's so many people just competing alone, much less the audience that you have to face. So good on you for doing that. I I know I could never. (laughs) Honestly, I could never. Um, Have you found it, as I said, like overall makes it easier to manage your anxiety because you do this or it's just a way to channel the energy of anxiety into something that you care about exactly i you nailed it with that with the last one okay amazing so lastly i want you to tell our listeners where they can find you um if they want to reach out to you personally okay um well they can find me um at um on instagram they can always dm me on instagram um and it's at mrs casey k-a-s-e-y munzer m-u-n-z-e-r and they can find me there on that account um and i'm open to speak you know with anyone that that so yeah amazing yeah Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your story and being so open and honest and even allowing our listeners to reach out if they need to and obviously bringing awareness to such an important topic um, that really can save lives. And as I said, make change, evoke change, um, anyone validating anyone's emotion. It starts from there really in evoking change and normalizing emotions so i want to say a big thank you for that as well well thank you so much for having me and taking the time to do this interview with me i've had a great time and i love meeting you and hopefully we will speak again yeah amazing definitely